Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Renting your property? You need a letting agent who doesn't just do the paperwork. Sherry Fitzgerald Lettings look after it all. From gathering references to taking care of repairs and maintenance. From getting the tenants to checking in with them. It's the letting service that lets you live. Find out more at SherryFitzLettings.ie. Sherry Fitzgerald. It's not just about property. It's about people. Welcome to the bloodandmud.com podcast, the official podcast of getting shit wrong on a regular basis. I am yeah, I am Lee Calvert, I'm the editor of bloodandmud.com and the gentleman joining me as usual is uh, Josh Gardner of RugbyShitWatch.com We're going to head straight into it this week. We can get in touch with the pod at Blood and Mud. That's me and there's Lee at BloodandMud.com and there's a website, BloodandMud.com and Facebook and all that. And Josh, what about you? Uh, RugbyShitWatch.com, uh, at RugbyShitWatch, at Josh Gardner. All that, all that shit. So know. we're talking Six Nations this week, we've decided. We are? Well, not, not a lot else to talk about, is there? Well, really? it was that of the Anglo-Welsh Cup. I agonised for a while, but it was <laughs> well. Six Nations in the end. Uh, before we start, as usual, we'll also have a Fantasy League update. We'll talk about Shitwatch. Oh, yes. The decisions have been made. Yes. And uh, then we'll have a bit of shit good at the end, and that'll be the end of this little Sharabank for this week. First Great. of all, we begin, as we always begin, with a player spotted. Oh. And this week it comes from James Taplin on Twitter. Hello, James. Not heard from you much before. You must be quite new. Welcome, if you yeah. are. If you're a first-time name. commentator, then welcome as well. Or he says, time listener, first time caller. You know. Yes. He says, I saw Martin Corry at the Midlands Taekwondo Championships with his daughter. Brilliant. He said, My daughter is a black belt and his wasn't. Therefore, that clearly makes me the alpha dog in that environment. <laughs> he, then, he then signs off with, Take that, champ. Quite right, James. <laughs> if you can't Indeed. live vicariously through your children to lord it over a former international captain, when can you? What's the point in having them? Well, exactly. Really? Because, you know, I mean, other than that, it's just early mornings and shitting everywhere. So, exactly. 
they've got to give something back eventually. They have. It might as well be vicarious superiority over a slightly. How would you describe Martin Corry? I've always described Martin Corry as Boxer the Horse from Animal Farm. <laughs> if anybody's read Animal Farm, then they'll basically know what I mean in that he's very big and very honest, and his response to any crisis was, I will work harder. Yeah, and God bless him, he had an absolute shithole of a crisis to work for, through for years of that England team, and all yes. he did was go, I'll work harder. And he did yeah, as well, bless him. I had a lot of time for him, actually. He, he suffered from the absolutely fatal flaw of not being Martin Johnson. Which... He did, and he also slowed down. He was amazing in that 2001 Lions tour, wasn't he? He was called up late, wasn't he? Yes. And then got test starts. He was, it was at- great. He was athletic and shit. And then he's kind of slowed down and moved into the second row, and his nose was constantly bleeding, the bridge of his nose. <laughs> so, so, you know, it was... It, but, yeah, really I had, when he retired, that. I had a lot of time for him, actually. He was a really honest, decent, solid bloke, Martin Corrie, and did his bloody indeed. best in the middle of a shit house of a period yeah. in the Johnson. Often, often bloody, indeed. Yes. Right, let's w- talk about Six Nations, shall we? Before do, we'll do that, we'll do a, a, yes. a Fantasy There's, League update. Yes, there has been some uh, some vague news as well. Oh, yeah, before. sorry, I forgot about news. Yeah, there's news. So, big news number one. Right. Uh, Richard Wigglesworth called up to the England squad. Further evidence that Eddie Jones will like pick a broom draped in a number nine shirt before he picks any of the Wasps scrum halves, I guess. But, I don't uh, think Wigglesworth is as bad as everyone else thinks he is. I think he's, no, he, you know, he's, he's done a very good job at Saracens. He does a, he does a job. He's not a bad player. He must do something for them to keep picking him because all he seems to do when I watch him is kick the fucking leather off it. But yeah, yeah, I mean, but he yeah, obviously does whatever. not fancy Robson and Simpson. At Not all, even a tiny bit. No. You think it's I the mean, baldness? Maybe, maybe. It maybe makes Danny Care is going a bit thin on top as well, so that's maybe probably not he's, it. He's one of those people who's suspicious of bald people. Maybe they frighten him. Ex- gives him doesn't a, gives him the heebie. Yeah, doesn't explain his interest in Dan Cole and Dylan Hartley. And the fact he's bald himself. We haven't well, thought indeed. this through. I'll be honest. Well, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of self-loathing there. That we've <laughs> that's what it is. I cannot bear to see myself <laughs> in other people. Therefore, I will not look at <laughs> bald people. Maybe, maybe. maybe. Uh, so, yeah, there's yes. that bit of news. What else have we got? Any uh, more news? Um, Car- Cardiff Blues have gone nuclear. Um, they announced just probably came on, uh, okay. came on the air ahead of their AGM on Wednesday that they are ready to explore alternative stadium solutions away from the Arms Park. Once Oof, what does uh, that mean? Obviously oh, another stadium, least, but where? What does that matter Their lease mean? runs out in four years, and they're basically saying, uh, as far as we're concerned now, we are going to consider moving away from the Arms Park and building a stadium somewhere else. They should put it in Grangetown. They'll go fucking ape shit on it. Yeah, they'll love fans. that shit. <laughs> This, if this goes anywhere, depressingly, it'll probably be out by the uh, Ice Town or whatever the fuck it is in the bay. <laughs> Ice Town. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you live? Ice Town. Do you mean the bay? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I imagine that most Cardiff fans will be extremely unhappy about this. It's probably a bit of brinkmanship, but Cardiff Athletic Club have been very uh, intransigent in their refusal to allow the arms park to be redeveloped in the way that they wanted to core of six twitter people are taking this very well uh yes i would imagine phil rugby bb and the guys <laughs> and the are, other guys yeah the other guys are just having a lovely time right i got now. an idea but, today you know these songs i've been doing yes i'm not doing one today but i'm oh. sure there is one to i guess that's why they call it the blues by elton john about <laughs> the cardiff blues 
Oh my God, please. Something about them like, I guess that's why they're not called the Blues or something like that. I'll be working on that. I'll be thinking about that one. Each verse could be a different team also called the Blues (laughs) that you're talking about. And then you do, and that's why. The Auckland Blues, the New South Wales Blues, etc. All of that. And that's why they're not, something, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yes, Blues fans, I was, I'd be very, it'd be a shame if they they tried this once, let's not forget. They moved out of the Arms Park once, it didn't go well. Dude, I don't remember that, where did they go? They went to the Cardiff City Stadium for oh, a when year the rebuild was going on. Mm. Well, no, they moved in theory permanently, but then nobody Oh yeah, went. when the new stadium was built, and nobody went, did they? Because going oh. south of the railway line was just too much for anyone to handle, basically. Yeah. And also, they were getting like 6,000 people in a 30,000-seater stadium, which, as we all know, is fucking dreadful. Cardiff rugby fans do not go further south of Cowbridge yeah. Road than about you 50 metres. to go to Leckwith? <laughs> fucking kidding me. Footballers go to fucking Leckwith. I don't go to Leckwith. I don't care if there's a big Asda and a Matalan. <laughs> How am I supposed to get back to the horse and groom in time? <laughs> you maybe go to Leckwith. Yeah, so um, yes, there's so, that. Uh, Lionel Boxis is back for France. Is That's another bit of news. Fucking yes, he is still a thing, Lionel Boxis. Yeah. It did give you a chance to show off oh, the yes. best of Lionel Boxis ever earlier, which is... Attempting I mean, to volley a pass from your scrum half. I mean, I don't... I mean, I admire it on so many I, levels. Yeah, if for sheer ballsiness, you've got to give it to him. For sheer execution... I wish he hadn't. Actually, no, I'm delighted he did. He wishes he hadn't. As Jiffy would say. Gee, would you do that? <laughs> um, any more news? No, I think that's all the news. Well done. Thank God you're here, because I obviously was going to skip over the news entirely. Yeah. Um, right then, Six Nations are going to chat now, but let's talk Fantasy League first. As you know, oh, yeah. we've set up our league on Super Brew. Thank you for everybody who's joined. Literally, hundreds yes. of people have joined. Bloody hell. And I can report that after one week... Uh, anybody who had Anthony Anthony Watson as their captain was onto a winner. That was me. I, I, I did as well. Anthony. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I didn't have a lot else. I had Sam week. Simmons as well. If you had Anthony Watson and Sam oh, Simmons, you were, you were laughing this week. I think. Yeah. See, I foolishly picked Johnny May, and I also picked Owen Farrell as my goal kicker, and he I'd... just decided to shit the bed. Yeah, I know Owen Farrell's be goal kicker as well. I also had Steph Evans. He scored. Anyway, yeah, I also had Finn Russell. Oops. One couple of things. One, thanks for everybody who's joined. Uh, two, some fantastic names out there. Yes. Just a few that I've sampled are The Brusual Suspects. Oh, that's good, though. That is that a good is one, good. isn't it? That is good. Moriarty Milk and Two Sugars. <laughs> that's kind of I awful enjoy, and yet brilliant. I, I enjoy the sheer amount of pipe that has to be laid <laughs> there to get to that particular joke. It's good. Uh, and Living Navidi Loca. That's a blinder <sighs> that's as well. I mean, that strikes... Where were you lot when we were doing Sean Holly songs? Yeah. That's what I want, though. There's some absolute stone-cold classics there. I've just I've just stuck to... Uh, I've just stuck to the one they gave me, I think. Uh, I did stick to that, but it was something so offensive to me that I instantly changed it because I'm weird like that. So, I can tell you, I'm in 10th place. Good let God. Me, let's talk about me for a minute. I'm in 10th yeah. place. Which is, which really, it's only good. This is what happened last year. It went south very quickly after week one. <laughs> I'm on 221 points. The top guy, I'm just behind uh, Repka, long time listener. Hello. Oh. Who's actually called his his team the Adam Jones Black Metal Tribute 15. Which, which, which kind I'd of, like, I'd watch that yeah, band. His two loves are kind of coming together there. Yeah. But top is Mr. Ted Harding. Well done, Ted, with Ted Harding's Witty Jackals, 237 points. They are leading at the minute. 
but there's uh, it's only one week. So and you're down in fiftieth. I've lost in mid table obscurity. Well, you're like fiftieth, but you've got like hundred and ninety hundred ninety odd points. So there's not that's with your name. The Alan Winner takes it all, which I, I do like as well. That's a good effort. That. Well, you know, you've got to try. I've got to try and hold up some standards here, haven't I? You, you do, know? yeah. Even if they're lower ones. <laughs> Even if I can't do it on the pitch, I'm going to do it in terms of team name. You know. There's some. This is quite strange. Philippe Santandre's death squad. It sounds like a Netflix original. Mm. I mean, I'd wa- again, I'd watch that. I see it sort of like, what's that awful thing on Sky? I see it like Strike Back, but with like <laughs> Philippe Saint-André as the sort of Somebody mastermind has, figure. Let's call their team No Brew, No Clue, but the brew as in Super Brew. Oh, so that he's is on board. Anyway, thank you, everybody who's played. Don't forget to tee yourselves up for the second round. There are no prizes, Ted, for coming first this week. No. I've got some prizes for the winner. Although last year, I did say, can the winner get in touch? And nobody did. No, fuck him. And he actually only appeared in the last week of the tournament. I think he just went round kind of grubbing for leagues he could win. He probably did. He was probably joining any which which league he could because he was doing quite well. Shall we talk about what we've learned? Oh, yeah. From this... There was some rugby played at the Titanic weekend, Titanic weekend of the I mean, Six was, Nations. I'm not eager to talk about it at all. It's Well, well. first of all, have you learned <laughs> the words that you're going to use to apologise to Josh Navidi at any point? Uh, well, I mean, one of the things I have learned is that he has proved me wrong. Like, I'm not anointing him Wales's new great number seven or anything, but he basically did everything that I said that he hadn't done in the autumn which is, like, he was very strong in the tackle and at the breakdown. He carried well enough. He did a really tidy job linking up the play. Like, I'm not going to pretend that it's, like, a proper test of his, like, permanent credentials because the Mish aside, that Scottish pack were fucking pathetic. He did his best, didn't he, the Mish? I felt he very did. sorry oh, for him. God, he was working so hard. But, like, <laughs> if if Navidi does the same job against a significantly better, bigger and more angry English back row next week, then, well, I will be happily eating my hat, humble pie, my words, whatever the fuck else you'd like me to eat. Because, yeah, he surprised me massively and was brilliant. He was very good. Along with that whole back row, really. Shingler was outstanding. Yes, yeah. Moriarty, not long back from injury. He was a bit rusty, but he just carried fucking hard, didn't he? He was a bit and rusty, he... but he played against Conor Dupree, who looked like the Iron Giants after he'd exploded and rolled down the hill, if you're going to go down well, that exactly. rusty metaphor. I mean, one of the things that I learned, like, I guess, really, is maybe maybe Wales are evolving. We've joked about it so many times, about the fact that they're evolved, they claim to be evolving when they're not. But, like, maybe they are. Maybe it's hmm. just... Maybe this is like one of those, you know, like... What do they call them? The evolutionary leap. Where yes. you sort of... You crab along at the bottom of a fucking, you know, some algae for a while, and then all of a sudden you, you come just, out of the sea. You grow up on your hind legs. Yeah, yeah, and run. Um, like, he, or it could be that Howley's just given up and told the Scarlet's boys to do what they do normally, or it could be that they just ignored him and they're going, "Oh, fuck it, boys." We'll do but what it's we something about us. Howley's just gone. You know, I'll just not bother to tell you anything anymore. Now I've told the yeah. front five, they should put it through hands a bit more. What more do I need to say? Well, exactly. Job done, surely. Well, like the contrast in the way that Wales were playing on Saturday to how they did in the autumn was staggering, like genuinely light and, night and day. I've said that I've said this before, I, and I'll say it again. I don't think you can. I mean, across the park, everyone did very well, right? But I don't think you can underestimate what a difference Hadley Park's playing like this makes. 
Yes. I mean, everybody played well, don't get me wrong, but he just, he complete a good 12 in any team, to be honest. Or the way the 12 plays changes the shape of your team. And and Parks, it's not just the fact that he can, his his hands are so lovely, he does so much simple stuff. The ball sticks all the time. Yeah. He's big, so he makes defences think as well. And also, while we're on Hadley Parks, I mean, think about more things that he sounds like. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. One, an exclusive celebrity rehab facility. Like it, yes. A council estate in Yorkshire where three women were murdered in 1994. Yeah. And then finally, the prostitute who finally puts an end to Boris Johnson's political career. <laughs> we, I mean, we can hope. We can, also, yeah. Also, like an upmarket country wedding venue in the East Midlands as well. Yeah, I love that. I like that specifically, the East Midlands. I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gotta be. But yeah, so he's uh, just, he's just, I'm, I'm sorry to come over all Paul Williams on this, but he's such a wonderful <laughs> yeah, player. That kick, the clearing kick that he did, I mean, I would have taken that to dinner. <laughs> I tried to think what Paul Williams would have done. Yeah, this, but, um... I did tweet that I reckon he should have closed the curtains because he would have gone quite <laughs> adult in his living room. Yeah, but you look at the way that Wales were playing on the weekend. Like, it was the support play. Like, all of a sudden, like, there were players on both sides. When when a player broke through the line, there were options left yeah, and How right. often have we said that New Zealand always seems to break the line with three people, don't they? One yeah. carrying the ball and two people to give it to. And all of a sudden, it was happening. Yeah, and it was bizarre. And, like, the rapid shifting of the ball out wide, like, as soon as they could. None of this, how many years have we endured with Rob Howley's you've got to earn the right to go wide bollocks? They weren't earning the right to go. They were just, as soon as they got the ball, as soon as they were spaced, they were bang, getting it out. And what's interesting is that people said, oh, Scotland, but their problem was that they didn't earn the right to go wide. Well, yeah, well, I hate that fucking term anyway. But uh, uh, the, Yeah, actually, they did, because they actually did get out wide and in behind a couple of times. Yeah. We'll talk about what didn't happen they later just, on. They but just uh... threw the ball on the floor quite a few times. But like, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, the sort of the desire to run it from a turnover instead of kicking it was really evident. Which is a, a t- like, I mean, these are all very scarletish qualities. Would this have happened without the injuries though? Because no, Biggie would have I been at ten, wouldn't don't he? Think it did. Do you think you know, that's the weird thing, isn't it? Because what else he's supposed to do? Well, I think that's the thing. Like, it's hard to know what what I mean is. It's hard to know what Gatlin's intentions are when effectively he's had to play this team. But then again. <clears throat> any coach, any coach doesn't try and get players to play in a way that they don't naturally play. They shouldn't anyway. I mean, <clears throat> yeah. Well, Reese Patchell hasn't started. It's not like Reese Patchell has been like sitting in, you know, like Antarctica for the last four yeah. years or five years. You know, he has been playing well for the Blues, and then he's been playing exceptionally for the Scarlets. And yet, the last time he got a start in the ten shirt for Wales was on the line. Well, everyone else was on the Lions. The thing tour is, he's a big, solid lad as well. So you think that he Gatlin would quite like him as because like big, exactly. he's big, isn't he? He's okay in defence. Yeah. He's but he's everything that Wales need their ten to be. Like, say he's a revelation, might be overcooking it a bit. But <laughs> I don't think in my wildest dreams I expected him to play as well as he did. His composure and his like, he just looked absolutely to the manner born. Like he made not one bad decision the entire day in terms of kicking, passing, and he offered a running threat. And he get, and like you say, he's a big lad. He's like six foot three, six foot four. He gave absolutely no quarter in defence. And He, he played just... for my former club in Cardiff. Oh, did he really? I, I taught Quince. him quite a bit of what he knows. <clears throat> Everything you... well, the fact that he was thing... in the under-sevens when I was there and I was playing uh, third-team yeah. seniors, I never met him. But yeah, he's from a <laughs> Cardiff High School old boys, yeah. But like, he's... Well, that's the other thing I, I liked is that as Simon Thomas uh, Wells Online discovered on he was out rather than 
having a lie in or being cripplingly hungover <laughs> as I would have been. Um, Were you not Sunday anyway? Morning. Well, no, but uh, on Sunday morning instead, he turned up at Landaff RFC to coach uh, club rugby, young to Cumbria Cardiff, the under 16s team that he's uh, been helping out with the coaching of for the last couple of years. And turned up and just got on with that. Which fair play to him. Fair play That's... to him. Anyway, but I'll yeah, stop it's the uh... loving now. <laughs> but yeah, it was remark. The thing is, th- this game. What I learned is this game is weird because if you look at the stats, it's everything's about fifty fifty. Everything's mm. incredibly even. It just shows you that sometimes a game can be. And Scotland really, they had a they had a good four minutes. <laughs> in in spite of Ali Price, who was desperately trying to ruin everything from the minute. I'll tell you what though, there's been some absolutely you know red hot takes from the media about how they're Scotland's well, selection has been. Scotland are basically shit again now, if you believe the press. And it's like honestly, okay, they fucked up. They absolutely shat the bed against England. I don't think they absolutely shat the bed. I don't think so either. I don't I think, think it's anything like of, as bad as people say. A lot of saying. people were saying that, you know, it's the worst Scottish performance they've ever seen. It wasn't. And it shows that they're incredible one-trick ponies who can't win it. Well, yeah. well they it shows they've got some issues, but, it, you know, calm down. Yeah. They, I say that it. they need some grit to go with the guile. They need I some ball that's... carriers is what they need. Yeah, they desperately need somebody in that pack to fucking carry the ball over the game line. It's also, so bad that in terms of carrying, they, 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 you know, Denton would be a good idea. This is this yeah, is how bad the carrying they, options are. Like how with all of the shameless, naked harvesting of Southern Hemisphere players that Scotland have done on fucking, you know, passport Scotchmen, Kilthy Kiwis, etc. over the last four years. How can they have not done... Not there's anything wrong with that. Do whatever you no, want, no, but yeah. It's true. They have combed the fucking globe. To, by hook or by crook, put a team together capable of playing international rugby. How the fuck they haven't got a couple of proper tidy big. Well, where's Josh Strauss? Water. He can carry a ball. He's out of favour, isn't he? He's, he's not been. Yeah. He's not been. He's been a sale. No, that is weird. But like, how they can't just get somebody? They haven't unearthed a ball carrying back rower, or you know, I guess they were missing. Um. The other Gray. Richie. Richie, there we go. I completely... Johnny Gray played yeah. all right. Johnny Gray played fine, but Richie is the one that gets them over the game line. You know, Johnny's a bit more of the flash fucker. Yeah. And Richie is the fucking tea guard bastard who will run through a brick wall. And I do feel like they missed him. They missed a bit of just... when Because we've said it, how many times have we talked about that Scottish back row being a little bit lightweight hmm. and a little bit... And that's fine flash. with the Mish, because actually he's so aggressive he's that he puts people out of the game. Like a bowling ball, though, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. And But, you know, John Barkley's not scaring anyone with ball in hand. No. They need a it's, big. They need an eight who can... They need a proper number eight. A proper eight, eight and basically. Not and, somebody, and a lock not who can converted, do some... Not, not a converted six. Yes. And, yeah. But, but also, you know... It showed that they, they, they need a bit of a plan B as well, because you know what, we all know what Scotland do now because they've been doing it very well for about 18 months. And it was only going to be a matter of time before somebody with the right defensive brain, i.e., you know, sure, England and Wales have both worked out Scotland to a certain extent now over the last year well, or so. Well, if you saw the way the England defence went, I know it was the Italian team, but the way yeah. the England defence just absolutely suffocated oh, them. Line speed was... 
Well, basically, remember we said last year, and I said, and it's amazing, and I always say it's amazing how people haven't worked out some strategy to sort it out. James Haskell just used to run full pelt at the second receiver yeah. or the third yeah. receiver. That's what Tio was doing on. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. the whole thing of Gustard's system is. You there in the thirteen stroke to you just peg it as fast as you can yeah. for the second receiver. Absolutely. Because what they figured out is that yeah. the attacks generally are not fucking clever enough to not pass no. it to them at exactly no. the time you're going to arrive. And that's exactly what Wales would like. Scott Williams and uh, Hadley Parks were flying like yeah. fucking Exocet missiles out of the Wales was outstanding in defence, actually. Oh, he was incredible. Like I know I've said many mere things about Scott Williams over the years, but fuck me, he was everywhere on defence. And that Scottish centre pairing, I mean, I really like Hugh Jones, but he was He's just... Not a he didn't. I don't understand, I don't understand no. what the decision was. I didn't, you know, the, one thing I did learn is I didn't learn anything about why that decision was made. Well, well no, ironically, not, they put... how many great 12s and 13s Scotland have. Was that Dunbar injured or was he actually selected out of the game? I don't know. I, think he, was, I don't no think he was selected. No, and that's the thing. It's like you have got Matt Scott, you've got Alex Dunbar, you've got Peter Horn. Just pick one of them. <laughs> Fuck me! Like, like, did they honest? Did they look at Hadley Parks and go, "We need a bit of a lump to go opposite him"? And if so, you know, you've already lost the game. In typical Stuart Lancaster style, if you're picking your team because you're worried about somebody else's strengths instead of your own then you've already lost the game. And, you know, they should have just... I mean, I'm not saying it would have gone that much better, but I bet Hugh Jones in the 13 channel would have looked better than Hugh Jones in the 12 channel, you know? Can I just give a shout-out to a uh, follower of the pod and listener, Graham Love, and video editor, <laughs> oh, because he was, he's had a bad weekend, <laughs> and his I, tweet I felt... was the best tweet of the game for me. <laughs> just score I... some fucking points, you cons, in massive capital felt... letters. I felt so. I was amused, obviously. Yes. But it's like I have been that fucking soldier so many times. <laughs> just fucking. It's 60, 70 minutes of the game, and your team is just fucking hatefully shit. <laughs> and you just, just want to just grab every single one of them by the lapels and scream at them to stop <laughs> being so fucking shit. Um, but yeah, like I, I do think maybe Scotland lacked a bit of a plan B as well. There is, I did say, I think about 10 minutes in, I tweeted to say they need the, whatever the rugby equivalent is, putting somebody putting their fucking foot on the ball and having a look like in Absolutely. football. Yeah. It's <laughs> desperately, yeah. desperately yeah. what they needed. Yeah. And somebody said, oh, it's Greg Ray, Laidlaw. It's not so much Laidlaw, it's just Finn Russell really just needs to have a minute and go, what the fuck am I doing here, right? Just, yeah. just have a minute and think. Finn Russell regressed to old Finn Russell, where. Whenever you took the steadying presence of Laidlaw basically telling him what to do away, he absolutely shat the bed. And that sort of seemed to disappear about 18 months ago. But it came back with a vengeance. I think partly because everyone else, you know, everyone else around him was fucking shitting the bed on a regular basis. And I think he just started trying, instead of going, you know, like you say, taking a deep breath, going, you know, this mm. game is not gone yet. As soon as that, but that's the weird thing the about that. Try the, went the interception for the first try for the Gareth Davis try. Mm. Already, Price just seemed to be completely discombobulated. He was like, "I don't know yeah. where to pass the ball. I'll take two steps. I'll just fucking launch it and hope for the." Yeah. Oh shit, they've scored! 
I mean, to be, it's a bit of bad luck for them because anybody else catching it probably wouldn't have scored. Davis is no, fucking rapid. He's rapid. <laughs> and even Gareth Davis, he did that classic. One of the things that I love in rugby is a player returns an intercept almost the entire length of the field and is then too tired to celebrate. And so just basically stands on his knees and waits for his teammates to catch up with him and congratulate been, him. I wouldn't have been running. I'd have been slowing down and waiting for the support to come in desperately. Yeah, I did I that in a sevens game once. I broke the line, looked where the post went, thought, oh, there's fucking no way I'm getting there without being caught. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I just, if, if some, somebody needed to be in Finn Russell's ear just basically saying, look, mate, this isn't, this isn't gone yet. The thing is, is that acceptable Just... for somebody like him who's meant to be a leader of a team that looks like it should be doing a lot better than it does? It's not acceptable that he can't sort himself out no, and actually set great. the tempo of a game because actually Price isn't going to do it because he was losing his mind. Yeah. Hugh well, Jones doesn't him. seem like, I don't know it that way, he doesn't seem like the most, that great and influential a player. Well, I thought so. He's barely been playing Is it a leadership problem, do you think? I mean, John Barkley's all right, isn't he? But I mean, I is it? There's not much I leadership you look across so. that. I mean, across that team, though, is there? Well, I wouldn't have thought so. But then you look at it and you think, yeah, why the fuck is John... Like, John Barkley was too busy having his own particular <laughs> fucking meltdown, which we'll talk about later. But, like, he... You know, why was he not fucking getting in his ear and just saying, look, mate, fucking hell, just yeah. just kick for just kick Give for us the some corners. territory for a minute. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, and let's just go through the phases and start tr- trying to milk a couple of fucking penalties. And... And or Stuart Hogg as well. Like Stuart Hogg just looked increasingly furious throughout the game that well, they started he wasn't doing... getting anywhere near the ball and everyone around him was not doing what he wanted them to do. And they, they did that terrible thing where as it got worse, they tried to do more and more stupid yeah, shit. They were forcing it like yeah. nobody's like, business. And it's, it's properly that's proper second team shit, you know. Yeah. Let's just start yeah. doing no, it's just getting more annoying. Let's try and do this. That's what Wales do. You know, usually when Wales are getting dicked, it gets to about 60 minutes and they start throwing it around like nobody's business. How great was Corey Hill, by the way? After all saying last week, they're not a shit. He does, you know, yeah. Yeah, he gets loads of shit and everyone's like, oh, why have you picked him for? Well, (laughs) what they've picked him for is quite basically to be really fucking good. (laughs) What he does is work really hard. (laughs) To be really really fucking good. Next. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Shows really soft hands and awareness. Like a couple of those little lock, like Connock style lock pullbacks that Wales did. He was the one that first receiver taking those and putting some lovely little passes in. And what he does is you've got Alan Wynne Jones being brilliant, obviously, because that's just his natural state of being. But how many good has... angles did he cut, by the way? Alan Wynne Jones. So good. <laughs> but he lacks a little bit of the dynamism of yes. Alan Wynne Jones at 25 now that he's, you know. Yeah. rapidly encroaching on 40 and you know it's a complete you know he's got that dynamism and he's got that energy that Alan Wynne Jones hasn't got and so he sort of enables Alan Wynne Jones to play the full 80 by basically emptying the tank for 60 minutes and then letting Bradley Davis come on to just be an absolute horrible monster of an arsehole <laughs> like <laughs> the first touch he got with a with carry was just I could almost see the glee in his face of just I get to run into these dispirited, tired people and just trouble all over their faces and I'm delighted. And by enjoy it. every minute. He of it. loved every second of it. But yeah. yeah, he was fucking excellent. And 
Yeah, a I lot, a lot to be happy about. Yeah, that, from a Wales point of view, like that was the best performance we've put in since 2013. We'll talk Jeez. later on about whether it can be backed up next week. So, uh... well, yeah, but um, yeah, elsewhere, elsewhere, it was, I tell you what, it was a bloody good weekend of Six Nations in very different ways. Well, the Ireland, the Ireland versus uh, France game was absolutely appalling. And then it wasn't. Really bad until the 82nd minute, which was, you know, it, but it, even though it was fucking shit and it was a hateful game full of increasingly yeah. impressive levels. By the end of it, I was being called for my tea from the room. I was like, no, I can't come in for my tea. I thought it was meant to be finished five minutes. No, just fucking give me a me minute, will you? I know. <laughs> but yeah, um, but it was kind of weirdly compelling in its sort of bald men fighting over comb terribleness because it was always so like delicately thing, poised yeah the hilarious that, thing is is that the, everyone's talking about how amazing Sexton was and he was in that, 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 in drop that exact moment before that absolute toilet all yeah, game I think Conor Murray was brilliant absolute bollocks he was fucking terrible <laughs> until the last five minutes they all were like how fucking average would Ireland be without Sexton at the moment well that Sexton cross kick to Earls oh. Fucking sublime. Well, do you remember what happened last time in Ireland? Tell you what, Keith Earls was one of the few Irish players who didn't shit. He's having a very good season. Keith Earls, generally, absolutely hats off to him. Like Ireland didn't fucking manage a single line break in eighty minutes. Spectacular. If that's not a fucking argument for Jordan Lama, I don't know what is. (laughs) But like, they didn't look like scoring a try. They were good in defence because Andy Farrell, but like. They just look like a team playing 2009 rugby in 2018 again, can you which imagine, is weird. Can you imagine what Andy Farrell's going to do to Rob Carney after? Because that Teddy Thomas try Jesus was basically Christ. they were all they were all marked up, <laughs> they were and then, they and then for some reason Carney just stepped inside yeah. and Tomar ran through. It was like what what it's, the fuck are you doing? It's like somebody had like point done the sort of classic look over there. And then yeah, and because away, he's a bit like thick, films. well, it's like a baffled puffin. Look, something shiny, a oh. shiny fish. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and then no, off, I, and off Teddy Tomo went, yeah. Yeah. When Ireland have Sexton, they will always be with a good chance because he is, you know, one of the world's best fly halves, if not, you know, one of the, the second best fly halves yeah. in the world. Well, do you remember what so, happened the last time an Ireland 10 tried to do a cross kick in the dying <laughs> embers of a game? <laughs> if you don't remember, that was against Scotland. Uh, what year was that? 2011, yeah. I want to say. Something like that. It was one of my favourite moments. And he tried to. They brought him. They, they brought him on to like to settle the game yeah. down. He cross kicked on his own 22. Shit. Ended up with a Scotland penalty, and Ireland lost the game. So actually, yeah. fair dues to Sexton. He wasn't. He's got no ha- haunting memories of a with oh, an Irish know, exactly. ten. But like I, this, I kind of feel like this is what happened last year. They started off the Six Nation looking bang fucking average, and. By the end of it, they were still not exactly playing sexy rugby, and they they don't in the Six Nations. It seems against like other Northern Hemisphere teams, they don't seem to want to play that much. They just want to strangle the life out of the game, and you know there's a there's a place for that. But I I just think yeah, throw you know you've got so many promising young backs, and the backs that you're picking are. Very uninspiring. So there is something about if you go back to that that you know what what this weekend showed, I suppose, is is the for those who did well, the rebirth of the ten twelve axis, I suppose. And there is something there is something about 
I mean, you know, don't get me wrong, I know they've got some good options at 12, but they're, they're different kind of players, aren't they? Mm. And I think certainly with England, like the the Ford Farrell axis was that was, I mean, yeah, okay, it was Italy. Yeah, but... the defence wasn't exactly putting them under a shitload of pressure, was oh, it? Oh, their defence was fucking. But again, what I learned from Italy. I just wrote angles in massive capital letters when I was yeah. making notes because some of the angles, if you think about Alan Wynn, and you think about Owen Farrell, and you think about a number of the games and Hadley Parks and stuff, I've probably seen good angles cut more in those three games over the weekend yeah. than I have done in shitloads of international games prior yeah. to that. It's all of a sudden they're remembering that rugby's a really simple game. You can literally walk through a gap if you get the angle right. You yeah. really can. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Some of the gaps that Scotland were leaving for Welsh players yeah, to run through, there is particularly that, but... the Aaron Shingler one, was literally <laughs> seven metres wide. <laughs> I literally, me and an entire team of my friends could have run through it. <laughs> but yeah, you know, and uh, England on the weekend, I'm still not entirely convinced by their fluency in open play. But. Well, they had that when brilliant. They, they had that that first try was classic Eddie Jones. Or oh, first phase, yeah. first phase. Then second, you know, one more phase. Strike, bang, we're strike in. Strike moves off set piece. Everyone knows what they're doing. It's timed yeah. perfectly. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. The hand, the you know that yeah the Watson try. It was absolutely fantastic. You know, the way that it was sketched out, it was absolutely perfectly executed. The hands were wonderful. The angles, the dummy runs, the whole thing. It just was one of those things that when rugby does that. When a set play works that well, you just have to go, wow, oh, yeah. fucking brilliant, wasn't yeah. it? Amazing. And you can see it coming. You can see it developing. Yeah. You go, oh, oh hello. Exactly. There's, like there's something in American football about it, isn't there? That, oh, this is that, that this play's working perfectly. You know. So. Yeah. Did you stay up all night for the Super Bowl, by the way? Uh, I made it to halfway through the fourth quarter, and then I realised I had to get up at quarter seven <laughs> to go to work. And I kind of was like, yeah, it's fine. And in the end, I missed a, a very good last ten minutes, which yeah, I'm quite Apparently so, yeah. Anyway, yeah. less of that. The, uh, so, yes. sorry, we went off to England then, but to go back to the sex and drop goal thing, it reminded yeah. me, I was thinking about drop goals in the last minute, and I had this yeah. really distant memory of, do you remember Harlequins doing something similar to Stade Francais? And that the Nick Evans. Yes. And I yeah. and I went, I remember Harlequins it was Nick Evans. And I thought, that must have been in about ooh, 2011, 2012. Looked oh, like no. 2008, 10 bastard years ago. What I remember I most mean, about it is, is that Stuart Barnes nearly had an aneurysm on commentary. <laughs> well, yes, because there is nothing that Stuart Barnes likes more than getting that was 32 phases, I think, or 29 yes. phases. That was that one. Well, there was that that Rowan Nagara one for Munster away at Sale a couple of years ago as well. That was some ridiculous number of phases. That was 50 odd, wasn't it? 50 that was even odd, more, yeah. Wasn't it? That was outrageous. It was the last minute Genuine. one against Wales, of course, that year, wasn't it? Yes, uh, that was all Stephen Jones's fault, but he was concussed. <laughs> Yeah, it it was just nice to see. There are a few more dramatic ways to end a sporting encounter than last, you know, injury time, yeah, multi-phase drop goal attempt because it so often goes tits up. But when they nail it, especially know. from that distance, when they flung it oh, to him, I thought, I can't believe they're going yeah. from here. No, why and then are they, they going from here? And then, and then it went. Just... I thought, oh, oh, look at this. Well, it might. Oh, oh, and <laughs> fair play. <laughs> To uh, 
to the two Irish players who were, uh, I think, Ian Henderson and A. N. Other, who I didn't see, who even when it was really clear that it was hit straight and true, uh, they were both chasing up the drop goal while everybody else was uh, <laughs> jumping up and down, celebrating. It's like fair play to you, lads. Stick into your task. You never know what can happen. So what what else did we learn? Anything from the France game? Um, I learned that France are still playing Guino vs. Breeze Block rugby, but they're just doing it with players who aren't actually big enough to get over the game line now. Um, like the likes of Gordon Camera, like you know, he's picked this like light, dynamic, agile pack, and they should be like getting into space and using their pace and agility to like make tacklers miss and get over. Well, the he's game probably line. had about four days with them, hasn't he? Well, exactly. A session. This is the problem, isn't it? And so they just spent 80 minutes fucking running around the corner and getting smashed because they're tiny. And they've all got head injuries now, of course. Well, yeah, and, and of course they have because they, <laughs> they're not supposed to be doing that. Like, <laughs> Ronell's obviously... The intent is there with the team that he's selected, I think, to an extent. But the team's ethos and the team's way of knowing how to play rugby is just rooted in... The worst days of Guinevere, Saint Andre, and all of that bollocks. And it's a, I do think we reached kind of peak France in that game when Kevin Gordon knocked on his own quick tap. Oh my god, that was wonderful but awful. That's just like, that just, just like, sums up the last five years of French rugby. It is, was. isn't it? And he didn't just knock it on like a little bit. He just even when you have a little tiny idea, it. yeah, yeah, even the littlest tiniest creative idea is fucked up by your own incompetence, Absolutely basically. Ruined. Yeah. I mean, we also learned that French HIA bollocks is still a thing. Well, as somebody said on the Twitter, a couple of people said, they've decided to assemble the ERG. Oh, the yeah. Of the ERG. <laughs> yeah. I nearly did a genuine spit take there. <laughs> um, yes. So it's we'll being referred what... somewhere. Loads of people were giving Nothing. Nigel always a look. Like, that, there was, I mean, I'm getting increasingly like, infuriated like, not... with Nigel's refereeing generally, actually. It's becoming yeah. quite infuriating. Um, but, he just doesn't believe in the rules anymore. No, he's not bothered about no, all no that. Rules. And I don't think he's... I actually made a... I made a... Because tw- he did France for feed in the scrum. And then Ireland did exactly the same thing he didn't. And I said, why is he not punishing Ireland? And loads of people set, came back to me saying, as if I was saying he's biased. I'm not saying he was biased towards the French. I just... Saying, I couldn't why understand, why have you punished it once? Because then the French were feeding as well. It's just more about... Thing, it's it a pointless thing. It was a weird feature of the weekend that, like, for the first time in 20 years, all yeah. of a sudden they were shit hot on feeding. Yeah, the in the first 10 minutes, and then in completely the ignored minutes, it. For and then the once time. they'd given a free kick either way, they were like, right, that's 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 that stamped out then. <laughs> Everyone's feeding perfectly <laughs> yeah. from here on in. We've solved that one. What's next? Global warming? Brilliant. <laughs> turn yeah. off that generator. There, sorted. Would you maybe turn it back on again? Yeah, it's... Um... <laughs> But yeah, so it's once. I mean, to be fair to Nigel, he did. You could. I did, what I did love about him is that he somebody said it wasn't his head. He could see Nigel going. I've been told by a doctor, and you could see everything his face said. I know this is absolute bollocks. Yes, but there's nothing I can do about it. Well, I, mean, I am like, being taken for a fucking ride. Here. In in my job, I have to go to court sometimes with health and social care stuff. And a judge sits there and goes, "I need expert medical opinion before I can decide what I want to do about this." Mm. So why the hell should somebody who's just refereeing a rugby match in the middle of a day have a different rules like a high court judge? Because you'd say, I'm not making a decision until a medical expert tells me yeah. what the evidence uh, is. And when you're yeah. being told, whatever you might think, you're being told by somebody, well, it's a head injury. Yeah. You go, well, all right. A professional physician 
over like overruled by little man from Wales who runs around on a pitch. <laughs> I don't think that's going to be a brilliant look, especially given how. And imagine the indemnity the insurance is. being voided for the entire oh, game. Oh yeah, yeah, you would imagine so. And so I'm sure that nothing will come of it. I'm sure that they will. Yeah. Raise some concerns and then absolutely, but it you know it will be if they keep doing this, everyone's going to start doing it, and then we've got a problem because it takes it from you know a safety thing to a gamesmanship thing, and the only way to get around that, I honestly think, is they're going to have to bring in rolling subs, and I don't I don't really want that to happen. Because I think that's another step towards rugby league, and the two the games the two games need to be distinct. Well, it's, and... it's it's interesting with that the views on that big passage of play at the end for Ireland about how with the new breakdown laws it makes it much easier to do something like that. Now on the one level, Massively. on the one level, great, isn't that a wonderful yeah. finish of game? But actually, the other level is that well, no, because. If you're just going to, you know, why why don't you just have a tackle and play the ball with your foot? Then you know there is. Yeah, something about that, you know. Well, it's like if we can't compete at the breakdown anymore, which let's be honest, you can't anymore. That's well, you can, it. but it be you play you can't because you play in such a depth. Because in one game, it's people were getting done. Well, people were getting done for spidering over the ball. In other games, it was yeah. being ignored. It's just yeah. really difficult. But like the way that they've changed these rules, not I don't. I, I there is no way on earth, in my opinion, that a team should be able to crab its way up the field through forty phases. Yeah. Without getting turned over, like you've got forty fucking bites of the cherry. Like, and you're saying that not one of those are play. And you see, I'm. The number of times that you see players going into contact and this a player with hands clearly on the ball yanking at it and the referee just lets it go. It's like, I'm fair, fair enough. Give a certain degree of benefit of doubt to the attacking team, but it's they just like don't want it in our game at all and it's really sad to see. I don't understand why because it's a really unique thing mm. and it's a really skillful thing and a really athletic thing and a really and yeah. a great way that it's tries. It's a proper happen. sporting skill. Yeah. And it's a way that tries happen and exciting things happen because ball gets turned over and then all of a sudden you've got broken field, disorganised defences, excitement. And but I don't want rugby to just be a game of... Well, technically you could never ways. lose possession. But if you, didn't, yeah. if you don't drop the ball or kick it away, you can... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm probably being a bit too dramatic, but you know what I mean? The whole point... I mean, in theory, in rugby union, you could never lose possession if you look after the ball properly. That never happens because you get turned no. over. But and if it becomes... It's, if it becomes too easy to just keep the ball, it's like in cricket yeah. where everyone kicks off now because it's just so easy for batsmen. Mm. You know, it's like that. It becomes a problematic. It becomes a problem for the game in many ways. Yeah, there's got to be balance, and I think they've got it wrong with the new breakdown yeah. things. And I hope they will change it at some point. We will see. Indeed. Uh, what's the other game? Oh, England. England. Yeah. What did I? What did I learn about England? Didn't have to get out of second gear, really. No. It was, and actually, it was quite a spirited performance by Italy. Fair play to them. They uh, when Joseph went over in whatever it was after four minutes, and then they scored another one. I did think, oh god, here we go. This yeah. is going to be whatever you know, whatever England wanted to be. That's what this will be. Um, but partly because I think England were just a little bit complacent, and because they, you know, England, Italy did front up really well for. 
65 minutes or whatever, or 68 minutes, Italy were sort of in it. And then, as was always going to happen, you know, the England's bench just massively overpowered them and gave the scoreline a bit of a gloss that it probably didn't deserve, to be honest. But uh, I did like Minotti, the new uh, I love that guy. His little, ah, his feet though. He's like an Italian Matthew Morgan. Yeah, right down to the fact that he had he had one tackle to make and he missed it. Yeah, well, I am I am here for Italian Matty Morgan because I can enjoy all of his positives without being incredibly <laughs> frustrated by his negatives. Not fuming, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and you know what? I was very pleased with something that went on that whole Axis thing. Sam, what I learned: David Flatman would not stop banging on about Simmons's turn of pace. Did you hear that? I think people yeah. are surprised by how quick he is. Even though they've seen how quick he is, they're surprised by how quick yeah. he is. Then the second try, you know what? I think people are surprised by how quick he is. It's like, I don't think they are, you know. I think they're just knackered and they can't catch him. It's yeah, yeah. They're not surprised by it. They've tackled their There's balls just nothing they can do about it. For 68 yeah. minutes and they've got nothing left in the tank. But um, That's what... to come back to the point I was going to make, which is that other than New Zealand, mm. is there a better last quarter team than England at the minute? Because oh, no, they do not. this quite, they do it. Reg- I hate the whole fucking finishes thing, but they do this regularly. And there's two ways you can look at that. Oh, it made the scoreline flattering. All right. Or the other way you can look at it is that's exactly what it is they plan to do. Yeah. They plan to put 20 points on you or whatever in the last 15 minutes. Mm. That's what that's, that's 20 minutes. That's what the that's game the thing, is. The way the way to beat England in the last in at the moment is to be ahead in the last 20 minutes. And either do what Ireland did last year and just be absolutely fucking resolute and tackle everything that moves and have a similar level of depth. Or yeah. you've got to be like 15, 20 points ahead. And yeah, I just think it's, it's the, the sort of the big defining thing of the Jones era, really, for all of the. And I, I don't like this finish as bollocks either. It's just a bit overplayed now, but. You know, there is no getting away from the fact that England have, aside from probably New Zealand, the best strength in depth of any team in the world. And it's not close. Like, very few teams could be to their, what, fifth choice loose head and have as good options as England have got down to their third choice, fourth choice number eight and as good as what they've got. You know, there are players who are coming in to the squad and onto the bench who wouldn't have been even, you know, anywhere near the match day squad with everyone fit and they'd probably be starting for most other teams in the world. And when you've got that kind of depth, you can do that in the last 20 minutes because you know that the team players that you're bringing off the bench are probably as good as the players that are trotting off the field for the opposition, if not better. And it's a fucking hell of a thing to have. And it's it's winning England. You know, it it is flattering them in scoreline wise. Yes, but it's winning. It'll win them tight games as well. But I don't think it, I don't think that scoreline flattered them this weekend because they were probably that many they points that better, better to yeah. Italy. Quite simply, yeah. yeah, they were a much better team. But like, yeah, it's putting a gloss on things. But it's the sort of depth and the sort of you know, firepower to bring off the bench that will win them close games and big games. And, yeah, okay, it might 
put a sheen on a few score lines in the meantime, but that's not what it's there for. That's not why they're... Interesting know. to see how both them and Wales do next week now, because you must have a little bit more hope heading into next week. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about this later, I guess. But uh, Later? It's, it's only an hour now. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> fuck. Oh, no, is it everywhere? No, sure, stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans... <laughs> Get in the kitchen and calm down. Or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. From catching the bus for a family adventure, taking a tram to work, hopping in a taxi for your big night out, or simply relaxing on the train for your next shopping trip, Transport for Ireland is here to reconnect you with all you've missed and everything you want to do. Please do mask up. Use a TFI Leap card where possible, respect each other and be patient so we can all travel safely. Reconnect with the Transport for Ireland network. We've got to get on the shit good then, haven't we? And the, sea, and the shit watch. And the, uh, yes. Quickly, yeah, what's, the, what's the, what's the right, result so, on the shit um, watch poll? The, the result on the shit watch poll, um, I'll level with you. The shit watch poll hasn't technically finished yet, but I can't be asked to wait any longer. <laughs> so, um, I have, I haven't cancelled it early because I don't know how to do that. However, it was a tie, a dead heat of thirty three percent each between a the shit watch shield mm. and the challenged cup. And I think we both decided that we preferred the challenged cup. We get a so, casting vote. It was probably going to be that anyway, even if it had lost. I'll level with you. <laughs> However, thankfully, it was tied in favourite. So now, welcome, welcome, one and all, to the Challenge Cup. The TCC. Oh, I like that. The T- no, the it's not the TCC. It's just TCC. The CC. Yeah. The CC. Challenge Cup. It's fine. Yeah. It's got, it, <laughs> it rolls off the tongue a lot better than Cup of Police on Cup yes, ever did. The Challenge Cup. So, yes. Yes, the Kings are the first. And I imagine for quite some time, holders <laughs> of the Challenged Cup. Um, we have changed uh, all of our Twitter paraphernalia now. So if you uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are now at, at BM Challenged Cup, because I didn't get Challenged Cup because some man in Japan has got it for some reason. <laughs> um, so yeah, follow us at, at BM Challenged Cup. And, uh, and yeah, keep up with all of the... Twists and turns that this brand spoke. <laughs> twists and turns got... of ways in which the Kings will lose for the next yes, twelve we've months. We've got a new trophy as well. The weird, angry-looking rugby ball guy is 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 gone. He's in Russia with Krasny. We've now got a uh, a rugby playing donkey, which I think is is I entirely. I love donkeys. They're probably my favourite. Yeah. I gave money to the donkey sanctuary and everything. That's how. All like... right, Alan. All right, Alan Partridge. That's how into um... donkeys I am. <laughs> So yes, we've got a nice little. Uh, I'll show that up to the screen for Lee. There, there we go. There he is. Lift it up. He's a he's a brass rugby playing donkey. Oh, that's lovely. Lovely. I mean, he's got a sort of weird, sinister look in his eye, but I think that's kind of appropriate in a way. It kind of suits it. So there we go. Yeah, the Challenged Cup inaugural holders, the Kings. Long Welcome one and all, and thank you all for, for your help. Breath. Shall we move on to the shit good ratings after the yeah, hiatus last week? Yes. What have we got that shit? I guess quickly, the Ben Young's injury. Yeah, that is a fucker for him, isn't I it? I was sat on the couch watching it with my 13-year-old daughter who was not paying any attention because she doesn't like, she doesn't care about rugby. It's all very gender, yep. it's all very gender-normed in our house. 
And then she's looking at her phone, and she suddenly went, "What? What was that noise?" I went, "Yeah." I said, "Yeah, oh, that yeah. was." Yeah. I said, "I would show you, but you probably don't want to see it." No, it was a bad noise. <laughs> it was really yeah, awful, it was wasn't it? Fair horrible. play. Yeah. And you do, it is that thing, is it? When rugby players have just made that noise, it's a bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I. I I think I only have ever made that noise on a sporting field once. And, I mean, I am significantly more of a pussy than Ben Young. <laughs> so, and that was when some linemen I've... felt me playing American football and did my ankle ligaments and I got stuck underneath that. So, it's yeah, basically the same thing. Yeah, yeah I, I played with a bloke who did the whole, the end of my leg is here, my foot's over here in my sock thing. And I was playing. He was oh. the, on the other side of the scrum from me, Brett. Horrendous. That he made quite some noise. Yeah, the fucking that as well. You would. Yeah. But, uh, yes. So that's shit. Um, shall I just rattle through my Scotland shits? Go on now, so that it doesn't feel like I'm piling in. Scotland, um, you can use shit. the plus fifteen minutes, fifteen seconds button until it gets to the end <laughs> if you want. Yeah. Cornell Dupria, shit number one. Yes. Two tackles and two carries in forty-eight minutes. Fucking hell, seriously. <laughs> um, Ali Price, uh, you don't want to kick a man when he's down, but Jesus. Shit number two, it. electric boogaloo. But go on, yeah. Yes. Uh, shit number three, John Barkley's hearing. Like, <laughs> yes. uh, when, when the referee was telling him repeatedly to stop putting his fucking hands on the ground and raking back to the ball to compete. Uh, what? But I know you've got to chance it sometimes, but he would be warned like three times. Play the and ref and all that. Fucking doing it. Final one, Stuart McAnally. I promise last one now, but fuck Again, me. he looked quite bright for about five minutes. He had one run where he kind of put, put a full step on and went round somebody and everything. No, but like, everyone was worried about how they'd go in the scrum, but nobody thought that the line-out would be absolutely fucking appalling. And to be fair to him, it didn't get any better when 700-year-old Scott Lawson came up on either, so just hookers. Hookers in general. Right, that's my Scottish shit. Well, I've um, got one more Scottish shit. Sorry, everybody. Oh, which is Chris Harris. Oh, fucking hell. How could I forget that? He was... Apparently brought I'm... in to give a bit more stability in the defensive channel. Insert your own joke here. He says... Yeah, that worked. Instead, he brought four carries for a magnificent total of two metres. Two metres. Is that one metre per carry, or did he carry once for like eight metres and got knocked back minus four? Who knows? He's he did, just he, he conceded two turnovers, made mm. six tackles and missed one. It's just not good, is it? I still don't understand why he was picked. I mean... I, I really don't I, understand I, either. I understand why Gregor Townsend said he was picked him, but I don't understand... <laughs> no, anyway. Anyway, moving swiftly on. Yeah. Shit, Italy's defence. Mainly for getting fooled with the same set play in consecutive <laughs> England attacks and it being like shame fool me once with the same loop play shame on you fool me twice in consecutive attacks I've had a bit of a mare like that's a, it was a brilliantly worked move don't get me wrong but when you see it coming a second time just it shouldn't be a try twice no and they were just they were just clinging on for DLI really every time England they, had the ball yeah it was just they had no they needed, they, they needed they, Venter there to have like attached guillotines to their hands or something. Well, that's the thing. They didn't like. They had no, I, obviously they weren't going to surprise England like they surprised them last year, but there was just nothing. Like they, they've got to be smarter with their. They're already working at a deficit. They, you know, they've got to try a bit of inventive shit. 
Like they just, that's the only way they're gonna get any kind of change from that kind of situation. But yeah. Uh from Twitter, Kerry Kezapaza got in touch on Twitter at Blood and Mud. Hello Kerry. Saying Inverdale's first comment, shit was Inverdale's first comment after the Wales game was that pass to Steve Evans look forward. <laughs> Which he did. Yeah, it was. And it, it was. was. But you know, but well, fucking wind your neck in, mate. And why is he always smiling? Why does he always have that kind of shit-eating half-smile on his face? There was one yeah, bit where he, he actually looked down the camera to ask a question with that smile on his face. He's just like, look, just fuck off. It's because he's getting paid more He looks like he's about to put a plastic bag over your head in a basement out. somewhere or something. Don't rule it out. Do not rule it <laughs> Allegedly. <out>. Yeah. <laughs> Shit's for me. Sebastian Vahamina. Yeah. How do you pronounce it? Looks like Carl Drogo. Yes. Plays well, like Carl like Drogo on the Drogo. kebabs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like when a game's decided by two points off a last-minute drop goal, I think you're probably entitled to lay a fair chunk of the blame <laughs> at the door of the man who spent most of the second half giving away incredibly stupid penalties. He could hardly put, he could hardly get up off the floor by the end. The one where he just took Conor Murray out was one of the stupidest things <laughs> I've ever seen. It's like, have you ever played this sport before? Have you ever done it? I think he might have a touch of the skeletons about him. I think he does, you know. He was just terrible. Massive, oh. knackered, a bit thick. Yes, not a good com- a lot, not a good cocktail. A lot thick. A lot thick. Sam Rogers um, got in touch on Twitter and he said that shit was atting Scotland players after that terrible performance. They know it's awful, there's no need to insult them. No, there yeah. really isn't. Just fuck that's off. That's like the shit. reverse Twitter grassing. Yeah, yeah. That's equally as awful. Yeah, don't fucking abuse don't wade into someone's timeline to say shit about them. No. And don't... Do it behind the back like civilised people do. Yeah. Like, do we really want... Like, if somebody, if you're calling me a cunt, I genuinely don't want to know. That's your no, opinion. Like, fair enough. I don't need to be consulted. <laughs> like, <laughs> but if you call me it to my face, then we've got a problem. So, yeah, and don't be a fucking Twitter grass. That is the worst. You are the worst kind of person. Come when I am king, those people are first against the wall. Oh, absolutely. Those people, people who leave the the their phone cables twisted at work. Yeah, that's they're they're another ones as well. They're going up against the wall. Yeah, people who got? can't, people who have untidy desks. Oh, my, terribly untidy. Beautifully pristine phone cable, very untidy <laughs> desk. People who don't put their phone numbers at the bottom of email signatures, they're going against the wall as well. Yeah, yeah. People there. like Ben K who describe things as a worldy. They're, uh, they're or, going. Or, they're going. In, they're being used to smash the wall with their own heads. Yeah. Techers. Oh, oh I've, literally, I've just literally been a bit sick of the word yeah, techers. That one's mercifully fallen out of favour now. I think. What's worse but... is it got started by fucking Soccer AM with that twat face Tim Lovejoy. Exactly. Why would you? Why would anything he says become part of common vernacular? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with people? <laughs> a lot. An awful lot. Speaking of which. Sorry, I went down a rabbit hole then. I was really winding Wait. myself up. <laughs> what have we got this shit? You, you anything? yourself now. I've uh, composed myself now. you got anything that's same shit? Same every year for me, but uh, the in-goal areas at the Stadio Flaminio, they're just fucking massive. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and it's still Stop 100 it. yards away from the... Um, from, from the... From the touchline. Yeah, you, just, the, you can't just make... No, 100 yards away from the crowd. Yes, that's what I meant. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. Like you just can't make the pitch bigger and longer just to make it look less like it's an entirely inappropriate environment to fucking play. Three mates of mine went to Rome on Sunday. 
all of which are English, but all of which, mm. one from Cumbria and one from Chester and another one. And the guy from Cumbria put on Facebook at about 10 o'clock on Sunday night, he said, fair dues, some England fans are complete knobs. (laughs) 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 Well, I'm sure it's two of all fans. But I did find it funny that even a guy, he's played rugby union all his life, he's not, you know, a rugby league chip on the shoulder guy or anything, he just said, fair dues, knobs. Well, that's the thing, there's nothing more... Like indicative of the worst elements of any fan experience of any nation, yeah. than away fans. When you yeah. are players on tour and uh, fans on tour, there's absolutely nothing worse. You are literally, whatever the worst instincts and impulses that you have, something about going to a, somewhere else just makes them happen. <laughs> and it's awful. Well, the English, we like to occupy countries, it's what we do. Yeah, or the British, true. generally, actually. Anyway, what else have we got that's shit? James on Twitter got in touch. Mackay James191. He said, shit is the Hugh Jones at 12 experiment. Yes, I agree. Covered that one. I could not agree with you more. It was uh, very bad. <laughs> um, I enjoyed uh, Graham Gulvin's uh, one that, where he was so angry that he had to write it in a note as opposed to because I don't think it filled up a tweet. And he just sent this with hashtag shit, hashtag fetid. Hashtag putrid and indeed hashtag rancid. So Scotland's <laughs> apocalyptic bed shitting in Cardiff is hard to describe without talking about the shit in terms of Loch Ness sized volumes of putrid fetid cesspits of shit <laughs> oozing from every pore in that performance. I've been watching Scotland for bordering Scotland for bordering on twenty five years, and this is the first time I've switched it off in abject disgust. My wee girl was bleating for Peppa Pig on the telly from the fifteenth <laughs> minute of the match, and frankly, it was a fucking relief when I gave in and changed the channel. <sighs> Oh, Graham. Stands and uh, applauds, Graham. I mean, I've It wasn't there. that bad, though. However, <laughs> I think it was the expectation <laughs> thing. I think they thought they'd do so much better. That's probably what makes it doubly the, worse, isn't it? That's the worst part, isn't it? Is when you get yourself zhuzhed up. Yeah, think, this is it. It's going to be different this time. Finally not going to be shit, and then, oh. This girl will say yes to going out with me. <laughs> this is exactly how I felt. The, probably the angriest I've ever been a Six Nations game was um, the 2006 Six Nations opener, Wales versus England, England versus Wales, I should say. Yes. So a year after the Grand Slam, yes. when we went to Twickenham and got absolutely <laughs> fucking dry bummed. And it, I couldn't speak to anyone for about five or six hours after that. <laughs> I literally, I love I was that the, complete I was, rage, yeah. I was at the, in the Great Hall in Cardiff Students' Union watching the game with a load of my English housemates. And after the game finished, I literally just walked straight back to our hotel on Ruthing Gardens, our house and just around the corner, went in, slammed my bedroom door and just literally just sat there, not saying it, not doing anything. I just seethed with absolute rage because just like Graham, I've been like, we're finally fucking... After Wales being shit my entire life, we won the Grand Slam last year, we're finally going to be good again, and no, we were back to being fucking shit. Speaking of that 2005 game, uh, Grand Slam, remember the other week we were saying, what's um, Mike Ruddock doing now? Uh, About to become coach of the Ospreys? Well, Jerry Keaveney got in touch saying he's been coaching Lansdowne RFC in Dublin, who play like round the back of the Lansdowne road pitch. Oh, fair play. Has there ever been a coach who's won such a title, who's had such a shit career ever since? And who has quite literally 
Like he one, went from coaching done. Wales to coaching Mumbles in the space of about six months, and nobody pulled him back. I don't think. Yeah, and like the only don't get me wrong, he has not had a a very good post Wales career because I mean he was he went to Worcester for a bit. Oh, remember course that? he did. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, got yeah. them relegated. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then he was an Ireland under twenties coach for a while. They were all right under him, I think. But yeah, it's yeah, I yeah, it's it's not actually. Gareth think uh, Gareth Jenkins has had a worse career than him since he coached Wales. Let's be honest. So what else? What else uh, we got? Sorry, we 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 went on a we, proper tangent then. But yeah, what, I, what I, we got I, the shit. Tom Dare got in touch. Repka, he yes. said shit. ITV's balanced broadcasting team for England versus Italy. Oh, oh my god, it which was, bad, was presenters, commentators, pundits, Mark Pugais, Lawrence Delalio, Wilkinson, Woodward, Mullin, Flatman, Kay, no Nick Mullins, Flatman, yeah. Kay, Bayfield, and Alonso, and one Italian who was not yeah. allowed to speak until everybody else had finished. Okay. <laughs> And it wasn't even in the studio. It was literally just <laughs> occasionally called on. It was unbelievable. I get it. But ITV still... They cater like, for, for an audience, I understand that. But but for all of their... like, I get they're a commercial broadcaster and their job is to basically cheerlead for the team that is going to give them the biggest audience share. But particularly in the Six Nations. Like, and their coverage is fine, aside from that. Well, they just but, buy in the BT lot, don't they? It's fine. But yeah. yeah, but like, they're just, oh, it just, like, their their lack of balance. Even compared, like, it's not like the BBC are hugely balanced, because obviously the BBC have got to cater for their audience to an extent as well, but at least the BBC pretend. <laughs> it's you know? As a, let's go to our pitch side pundit, a bulldog named Graham. What do you think? <laughs> Waving a George Cross while <laughs> <laughs> drinking some cider and doing some Morris dancing. <laughs> but oh. it, it, yeah, it's this like the level. I'm shitting of... into a bowl of pasta. Yeah, <laughs> the level of naked bias from ITV for in favour of England is just fucking beyond the pale. Right. It's just, I'm sure it'll be just as bad next week. To be honest with you, but whatever. Let's uh, uh, move on. Evan Quick good. said, no, I'll very quickly, on. Evan Quick said, shit is the new scrum feed, Lords. Absolutely ridiculous to counteract them. The scrum have just took one step closer to the loose head before putting the ball in, so now we can see what was going very on. Very true. Which is quite clever in its way, Evan. We're moving on to Good now. Yes. Uh, good. Evan also said Good. <clears throat> and he said Good was the Whitcomb pub in, Al- in Aberdare. Do you know that one? I do know the Wickham, yeah. He said for their is choice he sure? of... Is he sure? Well, listen to this. Well, if this is true, then yes, he is sure. Their choice of half-time food at the weekend on Saturday was curry, chicken curry, chips, roast potatoes, bread and butter, and haggis. That is a baffling... <laughs> They're obviously trying to get everybody involved, aren't they? That's amazing. <laughs> Imagine the butter you can make out of that. <laughs> I mean, I'm used to, like, the standard, you know, Welsh pub match day fare, which is a spread, you know. Yeah. Clark's pies. Yeah, sandwiches, pies if you're lucky. Used to serve Clark's pies and alcohol. Always always made by the landlord's wife. But, uh, yeah, that's that's a fair play. That is Chicken, curry, chips, roast potatoes, bread and butter and haggis. Left field, I like it. Put them all together, see what happens. Can Can you imagine the delight? Yeah. Right, good. 
anyway, yes, good. Tommaso Boni, Italy 13. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, he's, yeah. He looked genuinely lively. Bustling, he, bustling, I yeah, think is the word. Smashed over the game line, got himself into good positions, <laughs> has l- really nice burst and almost no elite level pace whatsoever. But yeah. if he could just, if they can just get someone quick on it, if they can get that little fullback on his shoulder, <laughs> yeah. so that he can burst through the line and then pass it to somebody who can run faster than an asthmatic yeah. tortoise. It's literally, then... it was he, <laughs> he he bust the line, then it went all matrix. It says everybody else was moving at normal speed. <laughs> the, you've got a problem when you're opposite, you're a thirteen, and the opposition number eight. <laughs> On the turn, pris- on the turn, <laughs> yeah, absolutely prison shame you over forty yards, because yeah, I mean was... Simmons is quick, surprisingly quick as David Flatman has <clears throat> no, pointed Shockingly, out. yes, indeed. But no, other than that, like he's cl- like Italy are not exactly overwhelmed with good thirteens without uh, Cannavaro. So yeah, he looks like he's got a bit of something about him, if nothing else. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, what have I got that's good? Steph Evans' is finish. Oh, beautiful. Sumptuous. Amazing. Sumptuous. Forget the forward pass, doesn't matter. Don't give a shit. I'm glad they didn't go back as well. But it's, um... Also, the Italian wingers finish. That uh, was a cracker, yeah. Yeah. Whose name I've forgotten because I'm a bad person. Um, Bellini. Cori- yes, Bellini. I knew it was some sort of Italian treat, but I couldn't think of it. Or was it Benvenuti? He's one of the two. I can't remember. <laughs> they all sound like they should be delicious pastries. Um Oh, we've mentioned Corey Hill. Yes, we have mentioned Corey Hill. We have. He was one of mine. Uh, Aaron Shingler, like, fair play to him. He's always had the size and athleticism to be a test player, but at the age of 30... Yeah, it's amazing, put, isn't it? puts it all together. He was everywhere on Saturday. Like, he was... In that first 20 minutes where, you know, the game was not yet decided, he was just hitting everything that moved with genuine ferocity. And then he is there. He is making fantastic breaks in the loose, lovely deft little offloads to link the play up. He'll be very, very hard to drop if he keeps playing like this. That's an interesting question, isn't it? When Falatau's back, I tell you what, I was thinking about this after the game. Who the hell do you drop now? Because like, if you could push Moriarty round to six, but then Shingler's played brilliantly. But Falatau yeah. is definitely coming back in. Yeah, and how do you? You don't want to drop Navidi, but you don't want to drop. You kind of feel like if Falatau comes in, that back row needs a big lad to sort of... Yeah. Because Falatau is many things, but he is not. I honestly think that maybe you'd shift Moriarty to seven and basically say to Falatau, you effectively play as a seven come whatever the hell you want to do. You just be you. And then Moriarty basically... Does the Sean O'Brien role. Yeah, and it you know Gatlin's had some success in Lions tours with playing with a back row that's kind of made up like that, that has a Falatau at eight, and then a sort of abrasive, hard carrying guy at seven, and then an athletic sort of link play guy at six, and it could work, but it's it's going to require the dropping of an awful lot of very good players. Bizarre, isn't you it? You know, Tipperick, Sam Warburton, it's just mad. No, nice problem to have, I suppose. But um, indeed, right. What else have we got? Good from Twitter. David Pritchard got in touch and agreed with you and said good was Navidi and Shingler stepping up to the plate. Mm-hmm. Sean Flynn got in touch and said good was Hadley Parks smiling when he saw his folks on the big screen. Mid match. Really that enjoyed was lovely, that. That wasn't was it? Lovely, wasn't it? Yeah. 
Uh, what else have we got that's good? Uh, Jack Hurst got in touch on Twitter. Abla Modern said good was calling up the internationally experienced nine in Wigglesworth. Mm, different view to you there, Josh. Uh, I've got nothing against Richard Wigglesworth. I just think that he is the brown bread of scrum halves. Well, Jack did want to say that shit is not bringing on any other nine for competition. There's nobody else, is there? That's the thing. I no, like, congratulations, you're guaranteed a bench spot with England, <laughs> having not played with us before. It's Cold. a bit weird, isn't it? Cole Devitt got in touch on Twitter. Hello, Cole said, good, as you mentioned earlier, was Patchell going off to coach his under-16s team on Sunday morning? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Adam Rees, friend of the pod, got in touch and said, good, the excellent Irish radio commentator who remained unbiased throughout the second half before shouting, oh, my sweet Lord, when, Be- when Sexton's drop goal went over. <laughs> I did. I was actually listening to... Uh, I was going out to get some food uh at the midway through the second half before I got back at the end and I was listening to it on Five Live and they had the Radio Ulster guys on there and they were very balanced, if not hypercritical of everything Ireland were doing. They were just... It was kind I of like bit, that. That's kind yeah, of our thing. enjoying it. They were just like... They were not happy with what Ireland were doing, but they were not one, being biased with it at all. One thing we've not done at all, and we should probably finish on this, is that at no point during the drop goal have we done the drop goal... The drop goal klaxon. It's so long since we've had to use I know. it. I, I'm surprised it still works. It does just about still work. Yeah. Because otherwise, if it didn't work, I'd have to do the drop the drop goal fine time by cast, and that doesn't work. Yeah. That doesn't, doesn't work in work. the same way at all. That's good. Is that us done? Have um, you got any more goals? Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say Teddy Thomas, but reluctantly. Because yeah. it was like the one, aside from the drop goal, it was like the only real moment of excitement in the entire game. And he was, and he, was put, him. he finished it well. Put through by Dupont, of course, before Dupont's head exploded with concussion. Yes. And, uh, but Dupont looks about 11. I've got a lot of time for that. I think when him and Jalabert are in the same team, it's going to be magnificent. I mean, they're going to need to carry their ID around with them, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I am 18. Remember that day? <laughs> I've been lying for years. Oh, yes. Is so that, that us? All the time, obviously. Yes. We're not I doing any we... previews. We've got no time. We might do another no, episode uh, at some point if we can be bothered. Yes. Or I'm going to say England, Scotland and Ireland. Well, of course, I'm going to Murrayfield now this weekend, so they better well, be I fucking think... better. I'm not going to watch them get tonked. I'm not going all yeah, that way. You're freezing me conkers off. some fucking porno rugby. So I am in Edinburgh next weekend. Any Scottish fans of you around, drop me a DM. Yeah, if you want to you know, DM. spend some time in my sad carcass and my 15-year-old son. <laughs> Speak to you all soon. Take care. Goodbye. Take care, everybody. Oh, no. Is it everywhere? No. Sure. Stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans... Ah, Need to get in the kitchen and calm down. ...or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.